Hey everybody, we're back with another Bald Move TV. It's been a while. Uh, we are talking. Well, I guess it hasn't been a Co- couple long. weeks. Yeah, yeah, before that, it was a real long while. G- getting back in the swing of things uh, with AMC's The Terror. The Terror, as my dad would call it. The Terror. Um, this is a psychological thriller. It's a horror film. It's a good period piece drama. It's the mm-hmm. fictionalized account of what happened to the famous Lost Franklin expedition to the Arctic that launched in 1845, and remained largely a mystery until the mid or until the early 21st century, when in I think 2014 they found the wreck of the Erebus, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, a couple years after that they found the Terror, uh, and I think at this point everyone kind of largely knows what happened and all that, but they don't know the details, and this is where the Terror comes in. When you say everyone, you mean historians of the sea? Like, because I, I had never heard anything See, about this I, before. I had heard, I didn't know it because I didn't start, I, I, was, I very strongly wanted to avoid researching the real life historical account because I was afraid it would spoil me, and it would have. But I remember, because this, this kind of blew up in the mid-80s because they found the bodies of the first three sailors that died, the ones that, <laughs> like, uh, the... The kid that dies, and you know he has the ring in the first episode. Mm, yeah, um, like they dug up their bodies, exhumed their bodies, and uh, they were in almost perfect condition. Like their skin was still skin colored; it was perfectly preserved. Uh, there, they had eyes in their eye sockets. Like, and I remember being haunted by the you know 2020 and Nat Geo specials my mom and dad would watch on this of these like incredibly realistic very creepy ice mummies Mm. um so i was familiar with it but when i say i I guess everyone yes like you know people who are tuned into the explore history of exploration yeah yeah yeah. and the northwest passage and all that kind of stuff um so it's kind of weird because i thought this would be like right up my alley and i always knew i'd watched it i would watch it but what took me by surprise is the fact that you like you got into it and like you you were way ahead of me throughout the whole process yeah no a lot of people were talking about how good this was i had seen some previews while we were covering the walking dead for it and mm-hmm. it looked pretty good um it had jared harris most importantly i think is maybe the thing that pushed me over the edge because he's mm-hmm. become between you know his work in Mad Men and The Expanse he's become one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. in the last few years so yeah I, I decided to check it out and I I was just really engaged from episode one yeah I mean this is a who's who of famous British actors that you've seen on Game of Thrones and Mad Men because mm-hmm. like you've got uh, uh, Sierra Hines who played Mance Raider uh, ah, as right. uh, Sir John Franklin, the or expedition as I, commander. As I refer to him, the other captain. Uh, <laughs> but I guess the whole expedition named after this guy, yeah? He, yep. was, he was kind of the senior. He's the, I, I guess, the, the commander of the, the mission. Yeah. Uh, Jared Harris plays Captain Francis, Francis Crozier, uh, who is a long-term experienced um, polar explorer. Uh, Tobias uh, Menzies, or Menzies, playing commander james fitzjames he was oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, tully um shit i can't admire tully mm-hmm. uh and i know there's a lot of other people that i recognize here as well but like you know up top you've got you've got a lot you've got a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of beef and it's right up my alley in that it's like set kind of in the the exact transition point between the age of sail and like the modern steel hull steam slash coal slash you know non-natural propulsion because these were two age of sail ships that they essentially had 
Um, the, the 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 Royal Navy had outfitted with like steel plating and reinforced timbers, and then dropped uh, a re- retired locomotives into to perf- the, to to give them a, a, a steam drive that was capable of like four or five knots when when there's no wind. But they also had masts. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and like I I really really enjoyed the exploration and how utterly real everything felt. Like, I'm sure all this stuff is on soundstage and there's matte paintings and digital compositions, but, like, it really sells the idea of men being stuck on the ice for years Mm -hmm. and uses a lot of, like, real-world information we know about the expedition to, like, plausibly construct these different horrific narratives. And really, you know, like, these are men suffering from scurvy and long-term isolation and potentially lead poisoning are they hallucinating? Is there really something haunting them and, and trying to kill them? Mm-hmm. Um, they're battling personal demons as well. Uh, it was just just like when it wasn't scary, it was fascinating. When it wasn't fascinating, it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that really struck me about this show is it's genuinely scary. Yeah. In a way that I don't know that I've seen on many other television shows. Right. It's it's uh, there. There's a kind of dread yeah. to the whole scenario that is... It's pervasive through the show. And right. then there are moments where it's punctuated mm-hmm. and, you know, just really heightened and, and becomes a thing that they have to deal with. But it's constantly there in the background, just yeah. sort of churning away at them. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's like you're talking about this lost expedition where 130 men go into the North Pole and they never come back. Mm-hmm. And that's spooky. And then one of the ships is called the Terror. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Like, that's just that's just too perfect. And there's a couple, like... Like, standout scenes from the very beginning of the show, so, like, it's not too spoilery. But, like, at one point, a big piece of ice gets stuck in the screws of one of the ships, and they send this guy in a diving suit on this little bench to go clear it. And, like, what it's like to be a man underneath several feet of ice, and it's just Mm -hmm. inky black sea all around you. Yeah. Like, what might you see down there? And, like, my heart's racing the entire scene. Yep. Because something's going to happen. There's no way you set this up, and it just looks so fucking real. And and you can only see out of these soup can size holes on, on yeah. like four points in your helmet. What could sneak up behind you? It's like ah, <laughs> so good. Yeah, and and you can't swim back up. You're at the mercy of the people above you, right? They have yeah. the system where you pull on the rope, and we'll yeah. get you back up. But it's a slow process. Yeah, yeah. So you're in immediate. Uh, danger the whole and like time. if like what if that rope cut because you yeah. would just like you got lead shoes to the and this big heavy belt bottom or if I mean it's it's just bad news all around. Um, yeah, they do a great job of mixing like the supernatural uh, potential for horror and also the very real danger that right. they're in. And there's lots of I mean, what I think is interesting is that they keep you guessing pretty late into the series about are is this. A cultural misunderstanding with the Inuit is mm-hmm. this guys losing their mind because of alcoholism or isolation? Is this the lead poisoning eating their brain? Is this you know? It, there's so many plausible thing reasons for like you know are they are like is this just like a fucking polar bear and men's imaginations run wild? That happens with sailors. They see a fucking. Uh, um, uh, the manatee, and they think it's a you know Ariel from Little Mermaid. Like mm-hmm. and people's imaginations do run wild. Uh, I, I thought that was great because you know I'm as the older I get, I like just pure supernatural horror. It's got its charms, but 
I much prefer stuff that's like you're just not sure. Yeah, you're just not sure because like like people being panicky animals is as as, as terrifying as things need to get. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got a ghosty ghost in there, fine. Um, do we? I, I feel like at this point, what else do we want to do to pitch someone that hasn't seen the show to try to get them interested in seeing the show without spoiling it? Because I kind of want to get spoily. Uh, how about this? It it very much felt to me like a self-contained story. Like you're not in in it for a huge investment of time. This is it's nine ten, episodes. I think it's ten. Might be ten. Might yeah, be I think 10. it's ten episodes, and they're forty-five minutes each. Yep. And that's kind of a self-contained story. So now I hear this is going to be an anthology series, and maybe we can talk about that later. But right. Um, you know, if you're looking for a resolution to this story, I think there is one at the end. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that might excite you. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, because like you know, it, I know it's a hey. I feel it more as, as much as anybody. The commitment to I'm joining this show, and God knows how many seasons yeah. and all that. But like, yeah, this if, if it is an anthology, it's going to be an anthology. I hope, like any other one is, where you can watch one or mm-hmm. two, two or three. You don't have to watch the whole thing to enjoy this particular one. And this first season, like when you said it was an anthology, it shocked me because like I. If it's an anthology, it might be, like, other expeditions that have gone wrong. Yeah. Or, you know, the true story about Apollo 13 where Tom Hanks actually met a scary poltergeist in mm-hmm. space. Like, it might be something like that, but it, they're not going to literally, you know... It's I not don't be think Jared they're going to tell more It's not going to be Jared Harris, Harrison no. and Igloo or something. Like, no. uh Yeah. Um, all right, so if you want to watch the show... And I highly recommend it because it's great, spooky, late night, lights out watching. Um, then you should do so. Uh, you can watch it, I think, the whole thing on AMC TV now. Uh, you can certainly rent it on Amazon, yeah. which is what I did. Um, but, yeah, you should do that because now we're going to get we're gonna, we're gonna get real spoilery. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are several scenes that I just really, really love and, and I'm dying to talk about. But where do you want to start with this? Um, I uh, well, yeah, you got notes. I just I just got f- finished watching it last night. Let's 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 hear what you got to say. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, maybe let, let's the the point where I was really like, oh, this is something special. Was I think the Carnival stuff? Like mm. once they started getting into the idea of lead poisoning, driving the, the people mm-hmm. mad, mm-hmm. um, and how that kind of culminated, f- um for the group as a whole in the carnival stuff, uh, that was just such a fucked up. They do a lot of fucked up things, but it was like one of the defining fucked up things in the show. Yeah. Is this, um, it's the doctor at the time, right? Who goes uh, crazy. McDonald. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if it's not like good sir or Crozier. I don't know their names or Hickey. Um, but I think it's a doctor at the time just sort of, I think he like half goes mad and half doesn't want to see everyone else go mad. And so he tries to take everyone out at Carnival yeah. with a fire. Like a mercy killing almost. Yeah, which was both beautiful and extremely fucked up and disturbing. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, I, it's also it, like to be like there's something very fucked up about being on fire entombed in ice. Uh-huh. Like it's very strange. Yeah, how can that? That's like you know, how can a fire Pokemon beat an ice Pokemon? Um, but it's it's happening, and you're stuck in the middle of it. And, and then like later on, the 
uh, I don't know who he is, but the guy who is desperately trying to deal with his cannibalistic tendencies, uh-huh. the guy who feels himself sort of turning, like the way he describes he's that He's the guy scene. that was in the diving suit, I think. He is, is the yeah. One. yeah. He's like the one who first started to lose his mind. You no, know, his description of the men roasting and the smell of the cooking yeah, meat and how, and how, how his good mouth it smelled and... goes from dry to wet when he smelled it, uh-huh. it was just so fucking... It, I mean, even those conversations are terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, and you can see it on Goodsir's face when he's trying to, I don't know, help this man deal with the these unnatural cravings, you know? Yeah, yeah. And how also, man, that whole scene of, like, Goodsir telling McDonald what he'd found about the lead poisoning and the mm-hmm. effects it's going to have on the men and how, I mean... It's yeah, like you're just you're just fucked. Like not only has a majority yeah. the majority of your food gone bad because the the sloppy preservation and all that, but like what little is just poisoning with lead. The water system's poisoning with lead, and he kind of like blows him up. And then this other guy this comes in to talk to Doctor McDonald, and he's like, "Oh, just just go to the." You know, just just you need to cheer up. Go to the carnival. That's yeah. going to be what ails you. And the, this guy's reaction of like. You know, being told this by a doctor and it's like, you're not helping me at all, but like, there's nothing what else more can to you say. say? That, and yeah. then you find out McDonald's plan was just to burn them all. Uh-huh. Like, man, that's some, that's some deep, deep, scary stuff. Yeah. To, to me, this show has like three different acts. There is essentially before Franklin dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is the act where Crozier just tries to drink himself to death because yeah. he doesn't know like this. You know, it's it's almost like he's angry at Franklin for checking out and leaving him with the mess that he made. Yeah. Like, he begged him not to do this. And I thought it was so cool that, like, the night of him essentially committing mutiny to try to save these men, mm-hmm. uh, Franklin dies. And then so there's the drunk period where he's just a real souse. And, that, and then there's the time where he dries himself out and becomes the captain that they need. Yeah. But it's too little, too late, and just it they is. are stacked against the entire Arctic, and he's not going to be able to win. But I, to me, I don't know. Like none of it's so weird because none of those acts are particularly rewarding. Yeah, I mean, this it's almost like this show doesn't really doesn't really do its best work in the big moments. Like it doesn't have like a ton of big moments. I can think of three. Yeah. Essentially. Like Carnival is one, Hickey killing, you know, the Inuits is another. Yeah. Um and then you know, something near the end, I guess, with the the last stand of Hickey and, and the and monster versus yeah. the monster, yeah. Those are like the big moments I can think of, but everything in between is just permeated by this sense of dread and and death. And that's why I said like it's like none of these it's I don't want to say that watching the show is not rewarding because, but it's rewarding just in like this bleak majesty, yeah, of just <laughs> excellence and and empathy and and like what it's like to be there. It's not it's 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 not like you feel a stirring call of adventure or something like you know you, you understand humanity better or anything. It, it's just mm-hmm. it's just this monument to this very particular time period and this very particular type of men and uh i yeah i i I loved it but it it kind of was like right up my alley you know yeah yeah um it it seemed so beyond the horror aspects what are the things that you enjoyed about it 
Um, I I loved Jared Harris's performance. Um, I do like the scenes where you know he essentially says, "Look, I'm going to be the death of these men. They're relying on me. I'm drinking myself to death, uh-huh. uh, and I got to get off that. And I need you to take over for a while, James." Right. Um, James, I, I think one of the best moments in the whole series is James' confession about his own courage. You know how he doesn't view himself as having any courage whatsoever. His driving force has always been shame and right. vanity. Right. Uh, I think that was just a a really well constructed scene because he doesn't come right out and say these are the things that I'm dealing with at the beginning or this is why I'm doing everything I'm doing. He kind of breadcrumbs his way into it and then eventually has this big confession. Yeah. Uh, and it and I love Jared Harris's uh, Crozier's response to it. You know, he doesn't try and say, well, you're you're an okay person for doing all that. He mm-hmm. simply lets it be and tells him that you'll have to find a new source for your courage now because you have no vanity left mm-hmm. and th- there's no room for vanity here. Right. And, that, and James knows it. That was a dance these characters make because, like, the, yeah. the real progression in terms of things happening is just the characters' understanding of themselves and each other because, yes. you know, they were natural rivals for this this older man's attention and approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or though I, I guess Fitz James wanted it and Crozier is just like, you're trying too hard, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you're trying to be the thing that I already am. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I, I thought it was really great, uh, Crozier, uh, Jared Harris's confession about him being, like, everyone already knew, like, even his loyalist, most staunch defenders are getting disgusted with him. Mm-hmm. And that where he calls the staff meeting and he's, like, at, using the last of the alcohol to give him the control to say, like, I'm going to be down for perhaps a week, maybe two. Yeah. Maybe much longer. <laughs> and I'm going to need you, this man who's hated me and who's gained and questioned my judgment and who tried to do everything opposite the whole way. I'm going to need you to to hold it together while I'm indisposed. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to that, that's going to be a train work. But no, like like this Fitz James character what surprised me at like how much I in, it grew to like him. And then when he yeah. did the confession, it kind of only worked because of. Uh, Crozier laying his own soul bare and right. saying like, well, yeah, I'm a drunk and an alcoholic and I'm not fooling anybody. And this is good. But him saying like, you know, how low he was. And he's just like this bastard ha- low born yeah. that has just been, like you said, driven by shame his whole life. And, and they did a, an amazing job of taking that character, Fitz James, who I did not like at the beginning. I right. Mean, you're, no, you're not supposed to. No. Uh-uh. Uh, he's kind of a, a brown nosing dandy. Dick. Yeah. yeah. Um, and turning him into a character who is incredibly sympathetic, and when he finally dies, mm-hmm. I mean that's it's kind of a heartbreaking scene, you know. I mean, moment, especially yeah. like with the state he's in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see him, and then and then uh, I think it's Crozier who who is kind of over him, giving him the whatever substance, whatever liquid he's mm-hmm. pouring into his mouth to kill him. Lead water, essentially. Lead, <laughs> lead water. Let's just speed this up a little. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I, I loved all of the stuff that happened with those two. Uh, characters. There's a lot of other similar arcs. Like the other one is Good Sir, who is this this like yeah. scientist and intellectual and just gentleman. Like his name is Good Sir, and that's pretty much what he is. Uh, he's a doctor. He's a healer. Um, and how everything is just dehumanizes him. Like he sees these men ripped in half by this wild animal. He sees. 
uh, like like these men being brutally beaten, and, and the way just, they're treating the Inuit, the way who, they're treating the Inuits, and he's yeah. just wanting to understand. And and then the final indignity is when they make him not only butcher a man to eat, but then make him eat at, on pain of someone else dying. Yeah, to, just to debase him, just mm-hmm. just to make so you're not like 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 Hickey's like you're not. Ever, like like Hickey's is like a Batman villain. Like I am a the biggest shit in the world, and I want everyone to know that you're not better than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to prove it by like doing all this crazy stuff. Like the fact that he wouldn't like relinquish what it was to that 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 made him good. And but it's also kind of heartbreaking at the end because when you know Crozier's trying to be like, hey, you know. Uh, my lieutenant, I know what kind of man he is. Uh, lieutenant Little, he's going to come back for us. When they just showed the scene where that's not going to happen, uh-huh. uh, like the rest of his men is like, we prefer the captain's or the captain's original orders. Yeah, um, that like that that there's no hope there, and like it seemed like Good Sir has given up hope, mm-hmm. um, and you don't know why, and then you realize that he's poisoned himself so he can kill all these animal men. Yeah, um, I just. What a tragic! What a tragic arc for a very good, a very good, a very good person. It is, yeah. Um, Let me ask you about the arc of um, of Hickey here. It's not, it's not a huge arc, right? He doesn't end up in a completely different place. Yeah, but, but I felt. I don't know if this was intentional, but I felt very little connection to him. Even though I think we're supposed to early on, mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to sympathize with him. You know, until they reveal that he's essentially taken a man's identity and he was not there for the right purposes right and then he eventually uh, let me ask you this eventually goes crazy i think that's fair okay um because i think there's a point there's a point where he goes out with this scouting party mm -hmm. they find the inuits and he kills he brutally kills Mm mm-hmm his own men. Uh, his own men, and then the Inuits come and attack, and they kill them all. Right. According to him. Right. You know, that's not actually what happened. But, right. So I think that's the moment where a lot of people said, oh, he went crazy. But I don't think that's true. I think this is a very calculated plan to undermine the the success that Crozier has had, because Crozier has just found what he promised. Mm-hmm. They've just found what Crozier promised them they would find, which right. is help. Right. Uh, so... I don't think he goes crazy there. I think he's got a very calculated plan. But the music there is almost doing too much heavy lifting. Mm. The music makes it seem like this man has lost his fucking mind. Right. Uh, and that the whole world is off its axis. Right. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think he loses his mind somewhere along the way between there and worshiping this fucking monster, you know? So Hickey's interesting, and I felt conflicted throughout because I I liked him in the third act, the first act, where he was this like closeted homosexual that yeah. you know is 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 being shamed and manipulated, and I'm like I'm totally on this guy's side. And then like they do the whole trope of like the murderous criminal homosexual is uh-huh. what it felt like, and I'm like I don't know how I feel about that. And then. They kind of like backburnered all that and made him to be crazy, but I agree. Like to me, that was more of his pathos of like, wait, there. This, this guy's telling the men that these bloodthirsty savages are going to be our salvation. They're going to be open-handed and generous with us, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing that, and I'm actually literally seeing it happen. And I can't like like if I allow any good in this world, then it's going to refute my evil. But so I guess he is kind like he is crazy in a, a a certain particular way 
Well, I think he just doesn't believe. It's weird. He's believed in his own plan so long and disbelieved in Crozier's that when Crozier mm-hmm. starts to come true, he wants to deny the truth of that plan and continue on his own path. Because, it, again, it repudiates his, like, ever, right. like, like I had to do this because I was born a certain way. Sure, it would, make, it would make him into a monster, right? Yeah, like, like I, yeah, exactly. Like, Because like, yeah. if, if you can say, like, well, I was forced to do all these things and yeah. you're all weak for not doing Survival it. Survival is dirty business, you know? But, but if you can, like, through cooperation and, and hard work and brotherhood overcome, then mm-hmm. he, is a, he is a monster. Um, and I, I agree because, like, my wife and I had that debate like she's like when he was doing all these maniacal things to like Crozier and Dr. Goodsir at the end she's like I don't believe a guy as crazy as him would be able to keep things together this well and be and I'm like I don't think he's crazy Mm -hmm. I think he's just well He's he's crazy in the way like uh, a sociopath CEO is crazy, sure, you know, yeah. or any any anyone that like weighs human lives and decides still very mine's rational, more important than still I'm very like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah calculated, but just working toward a goal that is foolish. But then they added the like to me they're all over the place with um with with uh, Hickey. Uh, the other thing I'd have to be remiss is like how disturbingly like an evil version of our friend Jesse Wilson he looks like <laughs> he does. like every single time he's on yeah. I, like I'm like this this is like I it's going to be scary when I go to back to Seattle knowing what a mm-hmm. madman I'm, de- I'm 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 dealing with just hanging on by a thread and he works at Lovecraft <laughs> Brewery this is bad this is bad news Don't go on any expeditions with him I thought it w- the him trying to like ensorcel the monster at the end was a very like it's almost like the show I thought the show had taught me that this guy wasn't insane, but then his last act was yeah. insanity. I think he he goes fully insane at the end, and maybe that's the thing. Like you know that that the 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 lead and the scurvy and all that had finally finally overtaken him. I don't know. Uh, let me ask you this: so at the end, I, I also this, I, okay okay go ahead. You ask me because well, I've got I want to talk about this polar bear monster, but but what, what, okay, what do you well, guys talk about? I, I want to talk a little bit more about the lead poisoning real quick. Okay. Um, so at the end of this, uh, Crozier ends up pretty much okay. He he goes off with you know his Inuit friends and lives with them, becomes mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemingly mostly unaffected by the lead poisoning. Why would that be? Is he eating different food than the rest? As the captain, would he be eating not from the tin so. cans? I or, think it's like it depends, or just on... a personal resilience. Like <sighs> it's. I don't know because, you know, as we were discussing at lunch today, the scientists are kind of all over the place about what they think is the thing that happened to this expedition. That, that's fair, but the show clearly the has. The show clearly pushes the lead poisoning. Know, lead I guess poisoning my thought is, like, I think that, that, that lead poisoning, like, can't that eventually, like, like lead poisoning seems like it's really bad for children because mm-hmm. it affects their development. It leaves them prone to aggression, emotional outbursts, psychosis. Yeah. Um, that's one of the thing. one of the reasons, like, the poor stay poor in this country because... You know, when we were outlawing lead and everything, uh, all the middle class and above children got their pipes replaced and cleaned up, and you're still, you know, eating lead chips because they're sweet. And then when they outlaw asbestos, you're living in a house with asbestos. And, and oh, by the way, if you're in Flint, now you got lead in your pipe. Like, that's the... Just to editorialize for a bit, that's the insane thing about Flint, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Like, we know what effects lead has on children. All those... We've got a whole lost generation in that city that's going to have severe clinical, cultural, civilization problems 
and it's still like if the if, if you if you're too if you're still drinking bottled water like the problem's still there what yeah. the fuck what the fuck um but but yeah I, I don't i don't know like i guess as an adult i feel like that that will eventually clear your system right but even over the course of their journey he didn't seem that affected is it because the alcoholism protected him <laughs> yes no, I actually it turns out, yeah, alcohol it's antagonistic and lead to lead each other out. It could yep. be. I mean, I don't know. Just I flushed don't... it right out of his system. Um, but everyone's got like also a higher like you know like like if it makes you more prone to emotional outbursts. Like if you're an exceptionally stoic person, maybe that you would have more to lose before you go crazy. I don't know. I feel like you end up uh, like the diver. Mm. Going that kind of crazy, right? And that's the thing. Like, I feel like that that or they showed like, they put you everyone on cocaine as at different uh, levels of everything was at different levels of like sensitivity. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like cause the other thing I, I did when I was reading because I I, I I finished the show at like eleven thirty last night, mm-hmm. and then I watched an hour and a half documentary on the expedition, oh and then I probably spent another forty five minutes just reading. Yeah. Um. And uh, what I what I got was that um, there's like degrees to lead poisoning and scurvy like if you are uh like a normal human fights off tuberculosis and it goes away and it's put in, it's locked away and cyst in your lungs and whatnot but the thing about scurvy and and it seems incredible but uh, it's it's well attested that like your teeth start falling out your gums start bleeding your hair falls out but not only that old wounds start opening like the scar tissue begins to break down and like you can bleed from old gunshot wounds and things of that nature. And like well, also then you would think the Crozier's liver would just be a right, it'd be mess. a shit show. Yeah. But but like the fact that this kid died of tuberculosis, something he might have gotten over as a teenager, but now his you know, it like it your immune supp- system is so suppressed. I guess hmm. these men like they were they were they were all suffering from some state. Well, they, they've done samples on them. They're all lead poisoned to some extent. They're mm-hmm. all suffering from scurvy, but they also have a, a, a severe zinc deficiency. Yeah, which is another thing that promotes healing and your immune system. And it could be that they just all. I hear that was like their distilled water systems were filtering out. They were something like the zinc that they needed, or well, there's also. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that, but they're that that they say that the lead of the food was not nearly the contributor of the lead poisoning as the lead line tank system, the water distillation mm, system okay. they used. Yeah. Uh, Cause they had to distill just an incredible amount of water because the steam engines themselves needed it yeah. as a byproduct. They like these, 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 uh, these ships uh, had central heating like for the comfort of the men and it could pr- pr- uh, make huh. a bunch of fresh water. And maybe if you're only drinking it for a year, you'd be fine. But drinking this this stuff the, the, that's essentially hot water through galvanized lead tanks uh, is, is going to elevate. But that, that's the thing. Like the other thing I did in my research is scientists are – it's still an ongoing concern what exactly led this thing to be disaster. How much of it was you know, the hubris of the commanders, how much of it was – like for example, many, many things I've read show that these men had this like – weird fanatical need to take all these possessions with them mm, yeah like, like the dishes like like like, like not just the and like the like the the inuits that they interviewed were always just like yeah these crazy guys pushing these boats so like it'd be one thing if you like stripped it all down and just had like the food mm-hmm. that you needed but like they were taking the books and the silverware and the china and their personal possessions because that was what's important to them and it's funny because crozier mentioned like well let's just let the men in some at some point in the way they will 
these things they, they will willingly give up this thing but man it yeah. seemed like it was at the very bitter end before they started you start seeing the trail of debris mm-hmm. where they were just like oh, we can't keep going on um all that stuff is fictionalized though because no one knows exactly where and when the bulk of them died and um yeah, yeah. i don't know where i was going with all that but yeah there's the fact that scientists you know because when i was growing up as a kid and the ice zombies were a big thing and it's crazy because you can see um like the first kid they buried looks exactly like the mummy and uh but but they did these samples like the the when i was growing up it's like well it's lead poisoning they didn't know any better they had these lead soldered tins and that killed them all and then scientists like well yeah they were lead poisoning but not at the height that like it would be to like really be debilitating so they started looking at other reasons and hmm. and who knows maybe they'll come do additional samples or go back to lead poisoning i feel like that's up in the air but i thought the show did a good job of kind of like throwing all that at the wall yeah scurvy yeah. zinc deficiency lead poisoning from the food and from the water isolation huber like it was all in this big stew this poor health and disease it was um and the other thing that the documentary pointed out is these men were incredibly unlucky because this they they know from ice core samples you can tell like when the surface ice melts and refreezes because it makes different variations of light and dark bands and ice this 30 years centered on the expedition is the coldest that the arctic circle has been for 700 years (laughs) That sucks. They happen to go in there, <laughs> and like the fact that for for several years the sea ice never broke up even in the summer. That's uh-huh. like you know was was unheard of at the time. And yeah, they and kept waiting for a couple of years for the ice to break up. Yeah, and they can get out of there, and then never happened. That's what made the fateful like like when Franklin like he's like, come on, you know, Crozier, that the the ice will break up and we'll find the Northwest Passage, and mm-hmm. he's like, or. Because his plan is like everyone go aboard the Terror, the one undamaged ship we got, and let steam for summer, let steam for warmer climate, so we can save everybody. And there was a lot of there's a lot of I don't know if it's historical fact, but like the fact that this uh, this Franklin might not have been the best guy for the job and was passed over, mm-hmm. uh, and he felt like he had something to prove. And there was this personal history between him and Crozier, which I found fascinating that he'd kind of interrupt. Like like um, interrupted his courtship because Crozier was a what Irish baseborn kind of guy. Yeah. Um, at the time and night, but he's never going to be like accepted in the polite society. Right. Um, all that stuff was I, I thought great spice for their relationship. And I was I mean, and in early goings, I was shocked at how frequently the deaths were coming. Like the fact that they killed the commander in like the first three or four episodes, mm-hmm. I thought was like wow. Yeah, I actually was not connecting with him nearly as much as I connected with Crozier. No. So I'm kind of glad they they ditched him as the commander. I mean, right. I, I don't know. This is historically accurate, I'm sure. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad it went down that way because Crozier, I thought, was a much more interesting character. Well, it's funny because I guess this book, The Terror, it's, it's largely based on archaeology and Mid-logs, that Carn, right? where they like visited three different times and said, you know, like, here's yeah. what's happening. You know, three sailors died the first year, but all is well. Second, we've lost our commander and nine officers and 12 men. And the third, where I forget what happened, like, like what was going on there, but like every, you just keep getting more and more bad news, and then it goes silent. Mm-hmm. And we never see these guys until we recover their ships and some of their graves, and we've seen some of their artifacts and stuff. But like, uh, I want to talk about this polar bear monster. Me too. 
I kind of wish they had just made ambiguous whether it was an exceptionally large polar bear or whether it was like at the end they made it very clear that this was essentially some kind of shamanistic avatar for the Inuit's rage. I didn't like its face. <laughs> yeah, no, the, it, the, <laughs> the I CG say, I thought like, was like yeah. uh, I, in distance when it's moved. I thought it looked really cool, but like I wish they'd kind of left it ambiguous whether this was just an exceptionally large polar bear. But they give it like a weird human face. Yeah, and I didn't really like that. But, yeah, like the whole cutting the tongues out to try to bind it, like you know that. But but I feel like they really put the thumb on the scale for this is a supernatural phenomenon. Yeah, uh, and I kind of could have gone without that. The the I agree. But I did like at the end where um, Jared Harris's character Crozier made the decision to just like he's too far gone. He's too, seen too much fucked up stuff. He just wants to stay in the Arctic circle with these Inuit people that yeah. he's like, I guess he even has children with at this point. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's moved fast in the few three. Cause like, <laughs> I think that that, uh, the expedition that was led by who, uh, Ross, the guy who the ice shelf is named after. I think that's who led the rescue mission. Uh, mm-hmm. they got there like five years after the expedition started, which is like two years after things went real pear shaped. And Jared Harris had already had kids. Like looked like he already had kids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, I don't know. That's the one only real criticism I have on the show. Uh, one of the other things I want to talk about is the sound design in the show because I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you there are two essentially two environments in this show. Well, maybe three if you count the boat itself, like inside. Okay, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, yeah, but the ones that really stood out to me were the ice and the shale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, endless, the rocky, endless ocean gravel, of shale, yeah. gravel islands. Yeah, the the sound design is so good. Like I, there's this weird warbly effect to to every footstep they take on that stuff when you get those wide shots, mm-hmm. uh, of just like this sliding, shifting rock ground yeah. Uh, yeah. that really just put me in the place. You yeah, know? Uh, and they also do that with the ice, where like you're you're dragging this boat across this ice mm-hmm. and everything is just echoing back at you mm-hmm. when you're in these sort of like uh i guess canyons of ice mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff and it just really puts you in the place that they're in right and it's how exhausting it must be yeah. to like 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 that hearing all that grinding it's like these men are being ground down as well as the the rocks under their boats yeah um why do people live there <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, I kept thinking somebody like, for fucked the, up a th- hundred thousand well, years like, ago. Are, are, and... Like, like, are these Inuits? Are they the assholes or the people down south? Like, at some point, like, they could just walk south. Yeah, but there must be just the, the, the people living down south must be assholes, so, or they some, would. Some Neanderthal's uncle fucked up a hundred thousand years ago, got lost, went too far north. Uh, but they could just, just walk had south wa- at any point. Had a baby with his wife and just said, <laughs> "This is our land." Yeah. And I don't know, like, if uh, I just I, I just think it's wild that, like, I get, like, where people would, like, temporarily be there or something. Yeah. But, like, why the fuck would you make your I, I mean, you can you can live there. You can. It just seems like a very rough, brutal life. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's it's better than being with a whole bunch of crazy Iroquois or, you know, they're like, uh, it's like, yeah, you think yeah. polar bears are bad. Wait till you deal with the uh, Cherokee. Those Cherokees, straight up assholes. 
There's tons of them. You've yeah. seen how the you see how the Native Americans are living down there. Just elbow to asshole. No, no. Look at look at all the <laughs> right. look at all the space we got. That's what I think of when I think of the nomadic tribes of right. North America. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think of how much space they didn't have. <laughs> I just it's how much bounty they like, were. I, I get that humans can live afforded. about anywhere, but why? Why? Yeah, like yeah. like now it's like we're we're dealing with population, but like a thou- like a couple hundred years ago, none of that was true. Why? Why did you live here? Why did you know, live in the we... desert? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. You Bedouin? I wouldn't want why, to. Why didn't you just walk out of the desert and be like, hey, green shit here, <laughs> this new place. Just yeah, pitch just your tents here without Follow the green, everybody. You're in a desert, you're on an ice shelf, follow the green. I just think it's because the world is just full of assholes, and like you just had to get, like, like yeah. uh, if you wanted to walk south and be like, hey, it's warm down here, there's already someone there like, hey, keep walking, pal. <laughs> keep walking. That hasn't gotten any better. No, I guess not. Uh, but yeah, just the fact that people, like, like just lived up there all the time, and and mm-hmm. also the whole I thought it was really powerful the last sun sunset, and then how many months they had to wait for the sun to come back. Yeah, like I, I get a I get a touch of seasonal affective disorder. My <laughs> wife has it worse, but like, can you imagine four and a half five months of freezing cold temperature mm-hmm. and no sunlight? Yeah, it's brutal. Being stuck in a a cramped boat with a hundred other people or however many. Yeah, for. like again for years and like you know you try to get the men's hope pinned to like well it's going to freeze out in the summer or it's going to thaw out in the summer and then it just doesn't yeah and then your boat starts getting lifted and like i like that when the boat started to to start to begin to tilt and like they like rope shit down and like had this little edges so like things wouldn't slide off of things Mm -hmm. um yeah the other thing is if you watch these documentaries it's crazy how pristine these wrecks are they're like in 40, 50 feet of water. The the mast have been broken off by like ice flows, but like huh. when you see the sonar, it's recognizably the ship, hmm. and it's like essentially intact. And it's just sank. Like once the sea ice did break up, it just sank right to the bottom. I think the Terra and the Erebus are only like fifty miles apart from each other. Huh. Um, but uh, no, it's uh, it's great. I kind of want to read the book that it's based on. Yeah. Uh, to see if it's like better, or like what 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 is all about? But I I was just impressed by the ability for them to consistently build a mood and and track. Like there's a probably half dozen characters that we get to know very well by the end um, out of this 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 giant crew and uh, how long they kept the mystery of the pole. I wish they'd kept it going just a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, Terror was great. It was. Uh, I will definitely watch a season two if it comes out. Yeah, if it's got the same people attached to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wish I had, I guess I wish I'd gotten on, on a little early. I don't, I will say that I don't think this would have been a great week to week bald move, though. Don't, do you think it would have been like, would have been good weekly podcasting? I don't know. Um, there are certainly big moments that we could have, you know, got excited about, but. I mean, the fact that it's, it's, it's a historical thing where you knew, like, if, like, there, there's no way. I was able to avoid reading up on it because I essentially binged this over the course of a week and I just chose not to. But there's no way over the course of 10 weeks someone <laughs> wouldn't have said, oh, you know, all these people die. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of what they set you up when, again, I think it's Captain Ross is talking to the Inuit in the beginning and they, you find out the Crozier, like, he was the last survivor. And so, like, you kind of know that everyone's going to die. Um, mm, yeah. But, yeah, I was, just, I was trying to think of, like... Would this been interesting? It would have been interesting to, to chart the course of like how he felt about Crozier and Hickey. Uh-huh. Because in the beginning, I didn't find Crozier very likable. And I felt I also like I was kind of outraged at his command once 
he essentially didn't get his way with his captain, and then once yes. he did, and he sent off his mission, but then he just just drank himself to death, like yeah. trying to drink himself to death. Like that was at a very nadir point in his character, but then he brought it back around. Um, and again, mm-hmm. yeah, Jared Harris, incredible, incredible performance here. Um, there was other kind of weird things is like they tried to make uh, Franklin's wife into a thing, mm-hmm. like in his his I, I guess his uh, niece was interesting in that she had this relationship with Crozier, but like the whole her his wife you know with the board of admiralty and then the you know royal science academy trying to like drum up all this support for the 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 rescue mission like i felt like that was a lot to do about nothing because it didn't end up mattering really yeah like you couldn't have set you could have not set any of that up and just showed like englishmen following up years later to try to figure out what happened and that you know like but on the other hand without those two scenes like there would be zero women in the project at all (laughs) that's true yeah um it'd be another master and commander situation where uh, it's just, it's not only does it fail the Bechtel test, it doesn't even, it, it declines to take it. <laughs> I, I guess I'm kind of okay with that in these historical scenarios, you no, know, I'm, cause I, there wouldn't have been any women on the ship, obviously. Certainly. Um, so I, I guess that's okay. That they did have the, me, they did, but they, I'm they, not a they, woman. They did have the Inuit woman that I thought was really remarkable, yeah. but unfortunately she gets her tongue cut out like in the first third. Uh-huh. So she's mute the rest of this. I mean... The fact that she can, can like emote and tell a story, like with simple things, like the fact that she like uh, you know cuddled Good Sir when he was at like the the yeah. the, 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 the the lowest point in, in his story, well, <laughs> the lowest point thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was that was really that was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so there's the terror. Actually, one one other thing, um, they do really well with like, I guess the the battle between informing the men and keeping up morale right uh, i thought that was one of the the highlights of the series actually is all mm-hmm. of the decisions that crozier has to make and needs his men to help him make mm-hmm. uh in order to try to keep this group together and right. the, the sort of battle there right um, i found it fascinating yeah it's like another additional resource you have to manage you have to manage right. food and and fuel and the the ship's hull and upkeep and the men's morale because you know that that's the thing i really like about the patrick o'brien books is that's like when things go bad like it's so easy for the men to just turn Mm -hmm. like like if if they start getting hungry or they start feeling like you don't like like there's no way of getting like the things get hopeless and they start breaking to the spirit room and getting drunk and and wanting to arm themselves like things go bad really quick and a good commander is not his maximizing of things going right it's also his minimizing of things going wrong and always maintaining a cheerful attitude and making sure his officers are cheerful and like because like if you see the officers start giving each other gallows looks then the men are like we're fucked and you lose you lose you all discipline goes by the wayside yeah and the the information control that's required for that Uh you know then they find their their uh, rescue party dead <laughs> yeah uh, when they find out about the lead poisoning right. um and then and then the interesting wrinkle there is you know hickey's got the spy and mm-hmm. hickey's finding these things out and yeah, using that and he's against the worst him. person to do it too. exactly yeah i thought all that was fascinating yeah yep uh good show i'm curious to see are, are where where did you hear that was going to be um 
where did you see that this was going to be a uh, on uh, our forums people were talking about it oh, being really? an anthology yeah. hmm. cuz that's the thing like i mean i'm i'm down for an anthology with these people attached to it but uh i i i can't see it doesn't look like anything's confirmed yet all so. right all right but yeah it's uh like i said go see it it's uh on uh, you can see it a variety of places it's uh, it wrapped up its broadcast on amc last week uh so yeah uh, i'm very curious to see what these people come up with next uh, i noticed that the the show the developer was david uh kajganek <laughs> yep that guy uh kajganek but ridley scott was My involved favorite. he is like yeah. I, I, there was a little like five minutes like, if you if you rent it on amazon there's like a little five minutes like behind the scenes where he was kind of hmm. setting up so he was involved with it um i would like to see what these guys come up with next it'd be kind of cool so uh we will see you on the next bald move tv until then i'm aaron i'm jim later